The following program was pre-recorded on WFAN. It's time for Hello, My Name is Craig, our weekly candid conversation about gambling addiction. It's supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Now, here's Craig Carton. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Hello, My Name is Craig. Craig Carton with the next 30 minutes. As always, a honest, open, uh, candid conversation about gambling addiction. Joining me, as always, is my main man from Epic Risk Management, Danny Trillaro. Danny, good morning. How are you, pal? I'm great, Craig. Good morning. Good morning. Super Bowl weekend uh, is here, so it's a big time. Yeah, very, very big time. And joining us uh, from the All In Addicted Gambling Podcast, a friend of the program who we have talked to, I think it's more than a year ago now at this point, but uh, Brian Hatch is also, like Dan and myself, a gambler in recovery. Brian, uh, good morning, and how you been, buddy? I've been good, Craig. Thank you so much. Good to talk to you guys. Yeah, before I get into uh, all the Super Bowl stuff that I do want to get into, for the sake of those that don't know your backstory, Brian, just give us a, a Monarch Note version of uh, you know who you were as a gambler and you know what kind of trouble uh, it brought to you in your life, and then we'll get into the, all the other stuff. I was a casino gambler from the age of 18 to 32. Uh, I went through GA. I went through therapy. I, I relapsed a handful of times. My most recent relapse was because my father died in grief. And because of that relapse, I ended up having to file bankruptcy at the very end of my gambling. Last place of that, July 23rd of 2014. Right, which is amazing that you're uh, closing in on a full decade without it. I, I want to address one aspect of what you said because, you know, Danny has spent the better part of the last decade, uh, and me, the, you know, it's four and a half years now, trying to counsel other people uh, so they can avoid a lot of the things that we all, the three of us, have experienced. And you reference relapsing. And what I found, and Dan obviously jumped in on this as well, is that the far majority uh, of people that I at least talk to and try to you know, be there for uh, do relapse. And there was a, t- a time where I was frustrated by that, where you spend so much time on the phone uh, talking, texting, emailing, and you feel like you know this particular person you know, has it, and they're going to successfully get through it. And then you find out a day or two, a month later, you know, that they didn't. And I realized that, you know, there's no such thing as one size fits all when it comes to recovery. And I reminded myself that I did the same thing early on in my recovery. And I'm wondering if you could speak to what it was like for you going a period of time without gambling and feeling that you had conquered it only to have a life event, you know, rear its ugly head and bring you back to a place that you vowed you'd never go to again. I, I was, I mean, I I was disappointed every time I relapsed, you know, I had two and a half years going to GA and then I got complacent in my recovery and decided I could do it myself. And that lasted about six months before I was gambling again. And each time I relapsed, you know, the amounts have to get bigger. So I was doing more harm to myself. And so I I'm with you on the, I used to believe it was a one-size-fits-all, but as far as relapse is concerned, you just you have to work with the individual where they're at. And, Dan, let me bring you in on that because you spend your life now traveling to college campuses and talking to young people and obviously also helping folks that we either meet through this show or on your own. Am I right in saying that uh, relapse is more of the norm than not? I think relapse and uh, experimentation is more the norm. And I think what's getting trickier now is the fact that there are forms of gambling that people don't even consider gambling. You know, whether it's day trading, cryptocurrency, um, you know, solitaire, a bingo, uh, chess. 
playing things for money. These are all things that people can start diving into and experimenting with. And they're like, well, I'm not gambling with an operator, but all of a sudden the behaviors just start creeping back in. And you're right. I think that experimentation, they warn about that in the Gamblers Anonymous Fellowship, that small bet experimentation is real. And so we're starting to see that even with things like, you know, fantasy sports contests or prize packs, loot boxes, video games. So there's so many gambling mechanics in everyday life of everything that we do. It's almost easy for someone to kind of dip their toe in the water when life gets hard or if they're struggling. And they say, hey, let me just see if this is different. Let's see if I can go out on my own terms. And I know, Craig, that's something that you talk about a lot, yeah. wanting to go out kind of on your own terms. Yeah, I mean, because that, that's, I mean, that's still part partially ego, but it's also that I want to be in control of my life. I don't want to feel like, you know, I'm being controlled by the addiction anymore. And obviously I was for, you know, a long enough period of time that I want to kind of feel like, I don't know, like I've shed myself of that beast and that, not that I'm going to go gamble because I'm not, but that it no longer has that kind of control over me or that pull over me. And the reason I ask about, you know, Brian, what you said there is we have a lot of people that listen to this show or download it after it airs uh, on the fan and are frustrated that they don't get it. They don't understand why their son, their daughter, their brother, their uncle, their friend uh, just can't stop. Or why, hey, three weeks went by and it was great. And then on that fourth weekend, you know, they made a wager, whatever the amount of money was. And it dawned on me that we need to be uber sensitive to the loved ones of the gambler who could never really appreciate, you know, how we get to the place we get to as addicts, but are also the first line of defense and also the first people we hurt. Yeah, I think, um, you know, for myself, I, I went through a relapse here in November, not with gambling, but as Dan was talking about other forms of gambling, I relapsed with and I'll say it, baseball cards. And you hear baseball cards and you think, well, what are you talking about? But I was exhibiting the same behaviors. You know, I was ignoring my family. I spent way too much money and I got really into this and it felt really good. And so it was a lot of similarities to gambling. So I counted as a relapse on my recovery, um, even though I haven't placed a bet since 2014. Yeah, it's funny. Someone at the fan the other day innocently said the phrase to me, hey, you want to bet blank? And it was a silly thing like, uh, you know, lunch tomorrow if something happened or didn't happen. I forget the actual context of it. And he meant nothing by it, right? And I was like, you know, I'm, I can't do that because I, I can't bet you. But, uh, you know, I, whatever. I still feel strong as I feel about whatever the uh, conversation was. And, of course, that person then feels terrible that he brought up gambling in front of me, even though it wasn't a monetary thing. And it's always that little reminder that, you know, I'm coming up on five years, Dan, you're at, what, 12 years, Brian, you're at almost a decade. There's always that little reminder that we are different, that we are still that one thing that we just can't do in a healthy manner. And maybe maybe it's good, Brian, to have that reminder, you know? I I, I mean, I think so. It really made me, it reshaped my recovery and trying to be a better person and lead, lead a fulfilling life. And I, I just wasn't doing that. And so I let baseball cards creep in and take over my life. So let me ask you a personal question. If the loss of your father triggered you to uh, break a long uh, run of uh, recovery, are you at a place now where you're comfortable that if you had a traumatic life event, you wouldn't gamble? I've, I've, I've asked myself that very same question. And because I haven't had a loss since him, so I, I, I'm hoping I'm well-prepared. I, I, that's what I'm 
trying to be as well prepared for that unexpected life event that will occur. Yeah, Brian hosts a podcast called uh, All In Addicted Gambling Podcast. Walk me through uh, what you guys do on a weekly basis and what the goal of the podcast is. The, the goal for the podcast from the beginning has always been about my recovery. Talking about gambling addiction helps me to recover and stay gamble-free. Um, but it's sort of morphed into, at this point, with the amount of accessibility there is, just helping others and getting the information out there and getting them to help. Um, you know, here in Connecticut, we have a program called the Better Choice Program, which I'm a peer for. And so I work with gamblers all day long between the podcast and my day job. So it's it's nice to just know that there's help out there and, and we're delivering the message of hope to people. And what are you seeing now uh, for the people that come in uh, that are looking for help? Is there a, a prototypical type of guy or gal coming in? Is it what I think we're seeing a lot of growth now in, which is young men gambling or just out of college, making money maybe for the first time, uh, surrounded by kids who are all gambling, so it's part of their uh, socialization? Or are you seeing some uh, different type of person come through the doors? Uh, what you said, uh, as far as young guys using the apps, using the apps that are available to gamble with here in Connecticut, um, coming in and not realizing, you know, they could sports bet, but all of a sudden they would play blackjack in the middle of their sports bet. Right. And that's yep. the part that was doing the harm, that rapid yep. fire blackjack that they were playing. Right. So they'd make a bet that might, they may have been uh, under control on a ball game, but now you got an hour to kill in between classes and I'm going to check out the app to see if the line changed. And, oh, by the way, I can now play blackjack for the next 45 minutes, no problem. And an hour later, you've now, uh, you know, drained all the funds out of your account. And now you're putting more money back in. And now you're looking at a situation where you have a casino 24-7 in your back pocket. And you have a credit card on file. And you have a job. And you're making your own money. And, boy, I, you just can't lose 19 hands in a row. So I'm just going to keep going at it, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And to your point about the affected others, um, you know, I, I talk to them as well. It's just it's absolutely heartbreaking because they have no idea that this is going on, and all of a sudden their bank account is gone. Right. Actually, someone said to me the other morning, uh, talking about blackjack, because they're familiar with my story, someone said, is it possible to lose 10 hands in their own blackjack? And I said, I once lost 18. The answer is yes. And they were <laughs> like, they, they couldn't possibly comprehend losing 10 consecutive hands of blackjack. And when I said I once lost 18, they didn't comprehend that. It made no sense to them. And that's that gambler's fallacy, right? You thought you would do. After so many losses, you're like, I've got to hit it next. Right. Red, 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 red. Oh, it's going to come up black. Red, 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 red. Which And the other thing I've noticed, too, to Brian's point, like you put a bet on sports. And then all of a sudden, now that, that game's going on, and, and I've mentioned this in the past, but there's something about romancing handicapping. You know, I was a sports better. I was a horse track player. I loved the whole process of sitting down, pen, paper, whatever, at the time when I was doing it, pen and paper, and writing down all the reasons why I thought this horse would win, calculations, charts, and, and that's how I would do it. And there's a process you go through that excites the brain. Right. And then once the actual race would go off or the football game or the baseball game, there's almost like this letdown factor. Okay, I've done all the hard work. Now the game's got to play out. But that's boring in some respects. Now what can I do to continue that engagement? Well, yeah, let me just play blackjack for three hours during a football game. Yeah, but then, so I mean, to that point, though, you know, I've, I've, I've experienced seven-figure wins at a blackjack table and losses. And I've walked away from a table with, you know, literally a seven-figure win and was upset that I had to stop playing. Yeah. Yep. 
Right, the action. You're coming off that high. It, like, it, that's not, not normal. Market. Like, you just won a million dollars. Why right. are you not happy? Anyhow, right. uh, Brian, I appreciate you coming on. For those of you that are interested in uh, hearing Brian's story on his podcast, it's called All In Addicted Gambling Podcast, and you can get it on all the uh, podcast platforms. Always appreciate you coming on, pal. Be good. You too. Take care, you guys. Thank all right, you take care. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, that gives us a good chance to take a quick break. Uh, we'll continue on one-on-one uh, -on -one with me and Dan right after this on Hello, My Name is Craig. Back to more of Hello, My Name is Craig on The Fan with your host, Craig Carton, and supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. All right, we are back. This is Hello, My Name is Craig. It's uh, Craig Carton, and as always, with Epic Risk Management, my dear friend, Dan Trelaro, uh, this is going to be uh, a bit of an emotional part of the show. Dan has become a valued friend in my life uh, and has helped me uh, navigate my post-gambling life in a, in a successful manner, and I'm forever indebted to you, Dan. And off, uh, online, what I hope the audience has learned over the two years that we've done this show is that Dan is my go-to guy for everybody. Anytime anyone has ever reached out to me, about themselves, about a loved one, about a friend that has a problem, I instinctively connect them to Dan. And Dan has never said no to that. Whether it's uh, 3 o'clock in the morning, uh, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I send Dan somebody's phone number and email, and within the hour, Dan's had a conversation with them. And I'm very proud to say that collectively, I know for a fact that we have helped hundreds of gamblers who uh, came about, uh, Dan and myself, you know, either through WFAN, through the show, online, et cetera. And Dan is going through something right now. And as yeah. much as we both have feel like we've conquered gambling, you know, the reality is that it's still a part of our lives. And uh, Dan shared some private things with me offline and asked if we could spend a few moments discussing them here on the show because... A, it'll be somewhat therapeutic, I think, for Dan to talk about it. And B, we'll show a lot of you that are listening, you know, kind of the reality of what it's like being a recovering addict. So, Dan, uh, it's it's your story. Uh, I'll back off here and allow you to kind of share with the audience what you're going through and, uh, you know, where you need help as well. So, please go ahead. Yeah. 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 I, I appreciate it, Craig. And uh, you are very special. And, you know, it, it's been... Um, it's been an amazing run so far, and, and great things are happening. And kind of like what you said is we, we've had the privilege to do this on this platform for over two years and help so many people, hundreds of people. And you're right. I mean, you and I, we get those emails, those requests, and, and we take care of them and, you know, call people and connect people to the help and resources that they need. Unfortunately, over the last several months, I've also been kind of struggling. Um, and I think it's also the fact that when you're in this field and you're trying to help everyone else, you forget about helping yourself. And, and I'll say I, over the last several months, I've seen some of the cracks start to show. And it wasn't me that saw them. It, people in my life, people extremely close to me, uh, people that I love and care about deeply. And when that starts to happen, I tended to think that I could fix it myself. I know this inside and out. I do this for a living. But being so entrenched in the gambling world and helping everyone else out started to take a toll on me. I think when I, when, I, when I hear a story, when we have a guest, when someone calls up crying or upset, there's a piece of that that sticks to me. That's why I've never been a counselor. I always knew I would never be a good counselor because I, for some reason, I'm not like Teflon. I'm more like tape. Stuff sticks to me a bit more. 
And over time, over the, especially these last several months, it's been kind of wearing on me, and I didn't realize it until recently. Um, I took a hard look backwards years ago and realized that in 2019, 2020, I actually bought cryptocurrency when SHIB at Dogecoin was popular with Elon Musk. And I thought nothing about that. And when I look at that, those are some, some of the cracks, the gambling type behavior crack going back to 2019, 2020, that I didn't even think about as gambling. The stuff that we talk about on Air Craig matters. And when life starts throwing curveballs and when stress is building, all those little cracks can start to form. And over the last several months, I've realized, like, I'm someone who's in long-term recovery, but I'm not perfect, and I will make mistakes. And one of the things I noticed is that I had to re start reestablishing and, and looking again at my relationship with alcohol because I don't want to switch addictions. I have to look at my relationship with, with any other type of game or sport or anything I'm involved in to make sure that I'm always staying clear and not risking um, full-blown going back to gambling every day in my life. That'd be horrible. And relationships with others, because that's been a hard one. And so I've started to see a crack um, in my foundation. Um, and this is real. You know, when we're in recovery, we, it's a daily struggle. We're never conquered anything. And uh, I've realized that I need to just step away for a little bit of time. No timetable. You've been very gracious with that. I don't know the timetable. I've sought out counseling. I'm starting some therapy sessions next week uh, to address some things from my past. There's some stuff. Stuff from Childhood Matters. You and I talk about this on the show, and you were nice enough to connect me with somebody, and he really reminded me that no matter how much we know or how much we think we know, it doesn't cure or solve our own issues. We need third-party assistance and support for that. And so I'm kind of going on that journey now just to make sure my mental health is strong, still doing the work that I love to do with Epic, but just trying to simplify where I can for this season of life. And it is a season. You know, we go through seasons. And just getting myself grounded again, simplifying and addressing some of the things that I've buried for so long, including September 11th, Craig. I don't I've never processed that in a healthy manner. And that's something I still need to do. Having worked downtown on September 11th and losing 14 friends that day, I should have taken care of that a long time ago. And I've had to lose a lot now to realize that um I need to be working on these things. Well, so I think there's a an upside to it. Obviously, I didn't know you back then, but my gut is that as these cracks, as you put it, are starting to show up in uh, your coat of armor, my gut is that you know, 13 years ago, you would have gambled for sure. That's a no-brainer to me that you would have you know uh, made up for to try to hide the feelings by going to a casino or making a wager on a sporting event. Uh, you probably would have been drinking out of control. So I think the fact that you're at a place in your life where you can now recognize the crack before it becomes symptomatic, I think says a lot about where you are in recovery. And as much as you're a dear friend, I'll talk to you as if I've talked to anyone else that we try to counsel. You should be proud of that. And I, I, th I think you are. I hope you are. Yeah, no, I am. And that's where I have to be careful because those cracks, you know, the, the everyday things that we see, I think it's, it's scary for me when I think about the, the, the possibility of where it can go to because of where I've been in the past. You know, we've both been to prison. We've both been in those dark places. And I would say since July of last year is when I've really been going through a hard time. I, I remember vividly, I uh, rolled my ankle down in Florida. I couldn't exercise, couldn't compete, couldn't work out, couldn't train for anything. 
and then um, started drinking a bit more during that season, eating a little bit differently. Had a double hernia surgery in December and, um, you know, didn't tell anybody about this, but I actually also in October had some questionable lab results. I had to go through some cancer screening. So starting to go through all of that and not letting people in was that's my shortcomings. Right. That's the thing that I should have done. And I was using other ways to escape in an unhealthy manner. That's the thing. When you start compromising what you believe for so long during times of extreme stress, I took three stress assessments from Mental Health America and two clinicians. All three were at the high levels. And those are the things that we have to be aware of in recovery. We have to have people to talk to. We have to have our healthy outlets. And for me, exercise has always been one and competing. Right. And when that starts to crack, like it's just uh, it's a slow, subtle decline. Was there a point where doing what we do through this show and you know, being on the front lines counseling people was in a weird way therapeutic for you? And then it just got to a point where having so much stuff going on in your personal life, when you now added other people's drama to what it was already a full plate, you think that's kind of what you know, brought you to the point you're at now? Yeah, I, this has always been therapeutic. I, I, and that's why I say that when I look backwards and kind of pinpoint in, in talking with some of the professionals that I'm starting to seek out, there was a major, that major change in July really derailed a lot of my healthy outlets. You know, not being able to exercise and get those natural chemical rushes in my brain, and now I'm injured, and now I'm you know, gaining weight a bit more, not eating as healthy, not sleeping well. Right. And dealing with some of the other medical issues that I had towards the end of last year. Now I'm still layering on helping other people and it's sticking to me. And I don't have a way to kind of uh, get rid of that energy in a healthy outlet. And it just kept piling on. Um, so, yeah, 100 percent. This is all just kind of come over the last seven months since July. Well, here's here's the good news as I see it. And that is, you know, you reached out and told me. You didn't yeah. keep it. Uh, you didn't keep it completely hidden. You walked me through, obviously, even more personal stuff that we're not going to share on the radio at this point. But you opened up and shared it with me, and I feel privileged as a friend that you did that. And as you know, I'm always here for you 24/7. So you have at least one person that you can always talk to and call and reach out to, regardless of time of day, uh, that'll listen. Maybe nothing else, but uh, you know, uh, an ear to listen, a shoulder to cry on. And uh, as a friend, I'm, I'm blessed that you thought enough of me to tell me what was going on. Um, and I'm glad that I'm there for you and as you would be for me. So as yeah. you kind of navigate this newfound darkness, for lack of a better word, you know, please know that, you know, I'm there with a flashlight for you if you ever need it. <sighs> yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. I do appreciate it. And and things are moving in the right direction. And, you know, we've we've been there in the past. But it's having that realization to kind of just say, whoa, you know, you look backwards and say, how the heck did you get to this spot here from when it was like seven months ago? And it's like, oh, my gosh, that's crazy. Yeah. So um, what we'll do is you'll take a time out from the show. You'll get yeah. yourself right, however long that takes. And if and when you're able to come back and and be that guy again for others, a hundred percent would love to have you there because uh, I count on you for that. And if Absolutely. you get to a place where, you know, your life needs to be focused more on yourself and your beautiful kids and family, uh, that's good too. And we'll figure it out. But you have done so much good in the world and have paid it forward so many times over that, you know, you deserve a break also. 
And uh, I just wanted to say on behalf of WFAN, of course, my family uh, that adores you and thanks you for everything you've done for me. Uh, I just want to say thank you. You have made yeah. a major, major positive difference in the lives of literally thousands and thousands of families and people who struggle with gambling addiction. And if you never picked up the phone another time, your place in that history is set forever. Uh, and know that and feel good about that. And as you now go on your own journey to take care of yourself and make sure that you're living a healthy lifestyle, just know that you've left behind an indelible uh, mark, which is nothing but good. And uh, I thank you for that. Well, I, I appreciate that. And that's why, you know, it's easy to love the work we do here because I, I absolutely love the work I do. And that's part of the problem. It's like you love the work you do and then you do it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There's no break and there's no time to rest. So this is um, as hard as this is, um, you know, it's an it's an important next step. So I can just focus on my task at hand with with Epic, where we're doing tremendous work around the country, as I love doing and just dialing back other areas to try to just while I go through this season and Yo, man, I appreciate your friendship. I just love you, brother. All good. Uh, that's Dan Trelaro. We uh, got to uh, take a break and send it over to uh, Joe and Evan. Obviously, the Super Bowl is coming up on Sunday uh, tomorrow. If you are going to wager, have a plan, stick to your plan. Consider all the FanDuel uh, tools, which are uh, things like time management, uh, wager limits, uh, limits across the board. By going to FanDuel.com slash PlayWell, I highly recommend, if you are new to the world of gambling, setting up some uh, roadblocks for you so you don't get in over your head and never chase bad losses. For Dan Trelauer, it's Craig Carton. And Evan and I are, of course, back Monday, day after the Super Bowl, to break it all down, starting at 2 o'clock, right here on The Fan.